I cannot but stand half amazed at this poor people's present condition. Being thus past the vast ocean and a sea of troubles, they had now no friends to welcome them, nor inns to entertain or refresh their weather-beaten bodies. What could now sustain them but the Spirit of God and His grace? Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Hi friends, welcome to the Treasure Box Books Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ching, a redeemed child of God, happy husband and homeschooling dad, and lifelong lover of good books. Fellow Dad, are you eager to fill your children's hearts with truth and faith and wisdom and courage? Do you long to build growing, lasting, God-centered relationships with your family? If you're ready to inspire and equip your children to walk with God by learning and living together, then come join us on our journey, and let's go find the treasures in books. They spent two months at sea in a creaking, cramped, smelly boat. They survived on meat soaked in salt water and on hardtack, often infested with insects. No fresh fruit and vegetables. They shared the tiny space with rats, which enjoyed their stale and already disgusting food. They brought pigs, goats, and poultry in the already cramped space, each of which added their own distinctive contributions to the small vessel. And the people endured nauseating conditions below decks, the ceiling too low for anyone of average height to stand upright. With the hatches sealed, they had no fresh air, and vomit on the floor and unsanitary toilets in the hold simply compounded the physical and emotional distress of the passengers. And if all this weren't horrible enough, these poor people were mocked by the ungodly sailors who called them psalm-singing puke-stockings, one of which claimed to look forward to throwing them overboard if they died. Two months. Sixty-five days, to be exact. Then, on a chilly November 11th, they sighted land. One of their number, a man named William, wrote, I cannot but stand half amazed at this poor people's present condition. Being thus past the vast ocean and a sea of troubles, they had now no friends to welcome them, nor inns to entertain or refresh their weather-beaten bodies. What could now sustain them but the Spirit of God and His grace? And then it wasn't until one month later December 11th, that the little ship finally dropped anchor and preparations were made to begin building lodging. But before they even began felling trees for construction, half the men were struck down with illness. And throughout that first winter, an unexpected flu-like sickness, described as a mixture of scurvy, 
pneumonia, and tuberculosis ravaged the little group. And eventually, out of 102 passengers, only 53 remained alive. It wasn't until March 31st of the following year that all the passengers were able to leave the ship and move ashore. In the face of all these horrific conditions, our friend William recorded their attitude. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof, again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth, their proper element. What could possibly compel people who had suffered so much to give praise and thanksgiving to God? Might the answer lie in the purpose that compelled them to leave their homeland, cross that ocean, and place themselves in a mostly unknown wilderness? Of their purpose, our friend William again informs us, Last and not least, they cherished a great hope and inward zeal of laying good foundations, or at least making some ways toward it, for the propagation and advance of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in the remote parts of the world, even though they should be but stepping stones to others in the performance of so great a work. Who was our friend William? He was William Bradford, who would be elected governor of the Plymouth Colony, the little settlement established by the pilgrims who landed at Cape Cod in 1620. You can read his entire record in his book of Plymouth Plantation, Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, 1608 to 1650. My personal copy is a reprint of the 1909 edition, which was rendered into modern English by Harold Paget. In an episode called In Everything Give Thanks, you might be wondering why I'm talking about so much suffering. After all, this is Thanksgiving week. It's a time of joy, celebration, feasting, happiness. However, it's not really a contradiction, not by any means, because the story that I've just told you is about the pilgrims who celebrated what we have come to call the first Thanksgiving. Also, the longer I live as a Christian, and the more I read my Bible, and the more I learn about Christians past and present, the clearer it becomes to me that a Christian can know extreme suffering and an attitude of thanksgiving simultaneously, even experience these two seemingly mutually exclusive elements as complementary. Going back several centuries to the early centuries A.D., to the Christians in the Roman Empire, it's said that they, the Christians, attracted so many people to the Lord Jesus Christ because when they were persecuted and tortured for their faith, the Christians had this testimony with the Lord. They die well. Unbelieving people, even people being entertained by the spectacle of Christians brutally murdered, saw that the followers of Jesus Christ knew how to die. They had peace 
and that peace in the face of such inhumane death was something the wisdom of Greek philosophy and the power of Roman authority could never provide. You see, the Christian faith does not promise an easy road, a primrose path. In fact, the Bible is very plain about this. The Lord Jesus said in John 16:33, "In the world ye shall have tribulation." But the Bible does promise to believers in Jesus a resurrection and a glorified body and eternal happiness in the presence of our creator, redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 17 and 18 give us this precious promise. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And as much as this might rub us the wrong way, all this talk about suffering and tribulations and trials, it just might be that it's when we suffer troubles that we Christians can most effectively bring honor to our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And I think the Plymouth Pilgrims might have understood that. And perhaps as they learn more and more about how God directed their steps, what we call providence, they understood still more that God's goodness and mercy were indeed following them, pursuing them, as described in Psalm 23:6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. William Federer has done Americans and American Christians in particular a great service by writing America's God and Country. It is mostly a book of quotations from Americans from the earliest days up until modern times. The book is arranged alphabetically so it's very easy to look up content by speaker, and William Federer also provides some background commentary and context. And amongst his quotes by William Bradford, Federer wrote this for background context. Little did the pilgrims know that if they had landed there a few years earlier, they would have been massacred by the Patuxet, one of the fiercest Indian tribes on the American coast. However, the tribe was completely destroyed by a plague in 1617, although historians do not know why. Also, It seems very very clear that God not only provided for those who already believed on him but also personally orchestrated the details in the life of the young native american this quantum preparing him to save the lives of the remaining pilgrims in 1621 at a young age this quantum fell victim to human trafficking captured by english slave traders off the coast of modern day new england and then sold into servitude in Spain. He was rescued by monks, carried to England where he learned the English language, and then was taken back to his homeland only to discover that his tribe had been wiped out by an unknown disease, making him the lone survivor of his people, the Patuxets. When he met the pilgrims in 1621, just 6 months after he returned to his homeland, he felt compelled to help them. and taught them how to fish and how to plant crops in that environment so foreign to them he was very much like joseph in the old testament who was sent through suffering at the hands of wicked men who meant it for evil but he later recognized that god meant it for good to save much people alive about every other thanksgiving 
my family enjoys listening to the presentation by Focus on the Family Radio Theater called The Legend of Squanto. I believe the production was made in 1997. That presentation is available on the Focus on the Family store as well as on Apple iTunes store as MP3 downloads. And this time of year, we also often read Squanto and the Miracle of Thanksgiving, written by Eric Metaxas and very well illustrated. Whenever we listen to the audio drama or read the storybook, we marvel at the kindness of God and the wisdom of God as he guided and provided for people who cherished his word and his worship and his work, and how he led Squanto in his kindness to meet people who could lead him to the true God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was because of Squanto, Disquantum, that the pilgrims were able to feast that first fall with a small band of just over 50 people, Christ followers, who desired freedom to worship God as they believed the Bible directs. And they celebrated their first full year's blessings with a three-day festival. And that three-day festival was full of outdoor fun <laughs> and joyous fellowship with each other and with Indian friends and, of course, abundant food. Now, fellow dads, as we gather with our family and friends this Thanksgiving, how about reminding them, or, as the case may be, introducing them to these true stories that God and His providence wove together to showcase the kindness and care and protection of God for a people who were helpless, but who were determined to honor Him. Can we do that this year? I think Psalm 107, verse 13, aptly describes the pilgrims in those first few years. It says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. In the next episode, Lord willing, my family will share some psalms and hymns and scriptures of thanksgiving with your family, with our prayer that God will use these to encourage you in giving thanks to Him. And if you'd like to look up the scriptures referred to in this episode, just go over to treasureboxbooks.com and open the show notes page for episode 13 in Everything Give Thanks, where you can also find a list of all the books mentioned in this episode. It is still a couple of days away, but I'd like to go ahead and wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving. If you heard something helpful today or feel better equipped to lead your family, Maybe you have a friend who could benefit from this episode, too. Don't keep it to yourself. Hit share in your podcast app or take a screenshot of this episode and share it with a friend. Or just post a link on Facebook to treasureboxbooks.com and let your friends know that this episode might encourage them. You can find any links and resources mentioned today on the episode page linked below or just head over to treasureboxbooks.com and sign up to get our newsletter to keep you informed about future episodes and product releases. And if you've got a book recommendation or experience or idea you'd like to share with other dads, send me an email. My address is nathan at treasureboxbooks.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until we meet again, keep leading your family to find the treasures in books. <laughs>